Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Jesus' name. If you'll meet me in the book of Mark, be mindful of your time tonight. And I'm saying that because I'm being mindful of mine. My wife said it. I am. They say, I've read enough books over time, they say that a, a time behind the pulpit can be as equal to an eight-hour work shift, whether it's mentally and that sometimes even physically expending. And so every Sunday I pull a double shift. Sunday full double shift most Sundays I should say not every most Sundays amen then turn to Mark chapter number 14 there's nothing new under the sun I'm not bringing anything new to you tonight and I hope I never do for that matter if I ever do we ever run for our life new Mark 14 verse number three uh, here this evening I want to begin reading there the Bible says in and being in Bethany in the house, Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box and poured it on his head. There were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it may have been sold for more than 300 pence had been given to the poor. They murmured against her. Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever, will, whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, whoever soever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Amen. Tonight I, I want to minister this subject for the next little while see me keep doing my I, I didn't take my contacts out this afternoon I probably should have I think I'm still dealing with some whipping cream film That's what I noticed tonight as I was doing some writing in my office every once in a while I'd blink my eyes to get like let the windshield wipers go so I could have clear vision uh, in this but for a little while tonight I want to minister this do what you can Do what you can. Look at your neighbor and tell him, do, do what you can. Jesus said in verse 8, she hath done what she could. So do what you can. Lord Jesus, I need you here this evening. Anoint my mind, God, my voice. God, here tonight, God, bring strength, Lord Jesus, to you. God, to be able to minister, Lord, the word of the Lord. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, this evening, you're able to help us in the next few moments. 
God, as we surrender our hearts and our lives to you again through the word of God. Pray, Lord, that someone be ministered to, touched. God, as we look over, Lord, what may be considered by some familiar passages and verses, God, help us just to lean in one more time. Lord, let them be afresh and anew, God, to our ears. God, and we'll fail not to give you the praise for it. The lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen to the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. The lovely name of the Lord. The harmony of the Gospels depicts the story that I've shared with you tonight from Mark 14. A few different episodes, particularly this one seen again in the book of John. We receive, as the Gospels do, some details from John that not necessarily we received from Mark and vice versa. As we see in Scripture, there is the approaching of the crucifix of the Lord Jesus Christ here in the passages of the Scripture that I read you tonight. We are just a few days as the setting is in Mark, but John even relates to us that the actual happening of this woman anointing the feet of the Lord with this very precious ointment was probably about, as John would put it, six days prior uh, before the Passover even took place. John says even that he gives a name to this woman. Mark just kind of leaves it very open. We're uncertain about who she is, but John specifies who this woman is, that it is Mary of Bethany. The Mary, the mother, the, not the mother, but rather the sister of Martha and Lazarus, which were friends to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was not foreign to Bethany. Christ wasn't. He had visited with these three, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, on several different occasions. It was a safe place for the Lord. It was a place that he feel, felt like he could make himself at home, that he could be comfortable in their setting, even oftentimes when he had uh, business or obligations and responsibilities at Jerusalem, many times we see as it would turn toward night, he would travel back outside of Jerusalem to go to Bethany to spend time with these people in this place uh, of repose in their household that he had felt comfortable with. And as the story unfolds in Mark chapter 14, it's kind of given us a little bit of a sandwich, so to speak. It's talking about how there are people that are desiring and wishing to take the life of the Lord while smack dab in the middle of these settings, both before and after the story that I relate to you tonight, is a woman that's desiring to lavish some appreciation upon the Lord. And so with that being said, they are speaking about when would be a proper time for them to apprehend the Savior. When would be a proper time to arrest him and take him into their hands. They're thinking, you know, it would not be good to do it during the feast days. There could be a great riot that would come as a result of that. Yet on the same matter, we, we, we might not want to wait too long. And so they're looking at the circumstances and they're really trying to find, if I can just interpret it for you, what they're really trying to find is a convenient season when they could kill the Lord. 
And yet sandwiched between the talk and the context and the discussion of when might be a convenient time to kill the Lord, Mark portrays then the story of this woman, this Mary of Bethany, that has seemingly an attitude different from those that are wanting to take the life of the Lord. She seems to carry the type of attitude that says, I don't really care whether there is convenience or inconvenience in about what I'm getting ready to do, but I must worship, if you will, render and offer something unto the Lord. Can someone say amen? And so as the story goes, she would enter into this house at Bethany, amen, at this particular place. He is at one of Simon the leper, not necessarily a leper now, but had been a leper. He still carries his label of what he once was. And he is now perhaps at some time in the past had been made whole or cleansed of his leprosy from the Lord. And Christ is sitting at meat at the table of this one who had been the leper and enters this Mary of Bethany and as she comes in the door the Bible says that she has an alabaster box or a flask if you will some type of container of ointment the Bible says of spikenard it is classified characterized as being very very Precious. As a matter of fact, the volume of the ointment that she brought in, uh, commentators and historians say it was about a pint of fluid that this woman brought in her alabaster box. Being of spikener, the Bible speaks, this would be of the most pure perfume, the most genuine perfume, an unadulterated, we might even call, perfume. And it being a pure nard meant simply this, that it was undiluted. You know, there's differences in the type of perfumes that you even get today. There's some a little dab will do you. And there's others that half the bottle won't quite get to you. I'm a poet and I don't know it. Amen. There's a difference. And that all comes down to how concentrated it is comes down to whether or not it is diluted or undiluted. Well, what this woman was carrying and bearing in her hands that she was approaching the Lord with is something that she was going to render to him, place on him, that was of a undiluted type of characterization. She had not brought something into the presence of the master that was lacking. She had not brought something into the presence of the master that was watered down or that was diluted. This was potent, we could say. This, this had strength. This had value. And she had that little wax seal as they said they would be on these flasks and these bottles. And the Bible says that she broke that. She broke that wax seal of that alabaster box. And when she broke it, they say the way that these things were packaged, that once you broke the seal on the alabaster box, it was important for you to consume or use what was in the bottle immediately and as often as you could before the level of its power and strength depreciated. And so she enters into the scene of the master she breaks open that box and the Bible says she doesn't do a little dab will do you on the master's feet 
or upon the master's head. But the Bible says that she poured it out on his head because if I don't use what I brought right now as quick as I can, as much as I can, the strength and the power of its aroma and its impact and its effect is not what it's going to be tomorrow for what it can be right now today. Man. And so she does this. The Bible says, John says it like this in his harmony and recording of this. He says, whenever this woman had done this, that the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. The house, everybody say the house, was filled with the fragrance of of the ointment. Amen. And imagine again here tonight that this just wasn't a spray of a fragrance. I know how that happens. I got a little girl in my household now and I remember when she was just a little younger she had these little bottles of perfume still does. Had these little bottles of perfume and she would go over the top. And she, she, she didn't just want to wear one of them. She wanted to wear them all at the same time. And a squirt of ten different bottles let me tell you, over time, there is a fragrance that fills the house because it wasn't placed up on there, amen, in, in just little little modes or little dabs or little sections. There was a whole lot that was sprayed, even if it was one spray of ten bottles. And sooner or later, that starts to linger through the whole house. Could I even say that even one drop of that pure, genuine, undiluted spikenard would have went a long way. But this woman doesn't just use a little dab. She has just expended all of the contents that she had in the bottle upon the master. Someone say amen. What we have here, folks, and this is a picture. Maybe I'm telling you stuff you already know, but that's all right. What we have here is the picture of an individual that's wanting to lavish worship upon the master. And the reason why this is so, there are different times that a person would be uh, perfumed or anointed. Kings would, priests would, uh, different individuals of status would. But this lady comes in, and Jesus just pulls back the cover, amen, of what he interprets this anointing or this perfume upon his body is all about. He says she has come beforehand and she is anointing my body for burial. A person that would anoint another's body for burial would be a person that would be in close connection with the one that they were doing that for. The person that would do that would be the person that had, if you will, a close relationship of love and affection. And it was a way to adore that individual by placing that, that, that ointment upon them preparing them for burial and so since the Lord is interpreting all of this like this this woman then in essence is walking into the presence of Christ and she's wishing to pour her worship upon the Lord but she says what I brought it's not diluted what I brought it's not watered down what I brought I'm not just doing a little dab but all the contents that are here I'm going to pour out before the presence 
you understand what I'm saying tonight? That there is a window of time that after you have broke the flask open that you need to lavish it upon the Lord. You need not to come to a place of reservation and say this is as much as I'm going to give or this is as much as I'm going to offer or this is as much as I'm going to pour out upon him because I got to save a little bit for Wednesday. No honey, this thing has a short shelf life. If you feel, amen, the adoration, the love and the affection that I I feel for my master all the contents of the bottle every last drop is worthy to be poured out upon him in this very moment someone say amen here's the thing John says that the aroma of the fragrance filled all of the house if I could say it like this tonight the impact of one person's worship the impact of one person's worship goes beyond the object of their affection. And it impacted and filled the house where the object of her affection was, literally impacting them. Not only he who was in the house, but everybody else. Can you give me a little bit more monitor, Brother Drew? I know my voice tonight. Everybody else in the house because somebody said, I'm breaking this thing open and I'm pouring all the contents upon the master. Honey, when you come into the house of the Lord with that type of mindset and say, I'm going to break it open and pour the contact with the contents upon him. I want you to know that the moment that just one person does that, it does more than affect the heavens. It also affects the earth. It affects the brother and the sister. It affects the saved and the lost. It affects the one that's hungry and the one that is thirsty. It affects everybody in the It wasn't directed toward everyone else in the room, save one. But nobody could escape the effect. And that is part and parcel why we preach, why we teach, why we scream, why we say. It's so important concerning our praise and it's so important concerning our worship, not just because of what it does for you, not just because of what it does for God, but what it might do for somebody that's sitting in the same house where your contents are flowing forth for the same person that that may be sitting next to you. Someone say amen. The aroma felt the room. The Apostle Paul even spoke of you and I. Everybody say us. The Apostle Paul even spoke of you and I in 2 Corinthians 2. He said, for we are unto God a sweet savor. But notice what Paul said. He said, we're not just a sweet savor unto God. He said, but we are also a sweet savor, amen, unto those that are saved and to those that are perishing. That's awesome. Paul understood a concept. Our lives, our worship, the way that we conduct ourselves in the house of the Lord, it isn't just going to God without touching those that are in the same house that God has come down to dwell. It's touching the saved and it's touching those that are to perish. Someone say amen. And the Bible says the moment that she has done this. Here is where the rubber meets the road. Your personal worship doesn't impact everybody the same way. 
while some may have been very well pleased with the aroma that filled the room, there were others that were not too well pleased with the whole act altogether. Someone say amen. And so you you can't expect to have the same impact upon everybody. Because there are some that are standing by saying, to what purpose is this waste? The Bible says. And to surprise the socks off of us, many of those that were saying, to what purpose is this waste? We're a good group of his disciples. The ringleader, namely, being one by the name of Judas. Listen to me, though. Listen to me. Here is a good rule of thumb about who you need to listen to concerning your worship. Because the criticizers are normally always the bystanders. The criticizers are usually the bystanders. I guarantee you if somebody else had their flask and somebody else had their alabaster box, they could care less what she was doing with theirs because they're so caught up in what they were doing with theirs. It is the criticizers that are normally the bystanders. So the Lord, the Lord speaks to them in this regard, and he lets them know, thank you, he lets them know that this has not, this is not waste, but this is, this is worship. They wanted to know what is the purpose, what's the reason for doing this. I mean, have, have we missed something, Lord? What's taking place right here? Did you do something for her? What's the reason for all of this taking place? He wanted them to understand. Guys, don't you get confused between praise and worship. Praise is the result of what I do for people. But worship is the result of just who I am. They're saying, what is the purpose? He said, she's come in here worshiping. There don't have to be any other purpose than I am who. And so if there's anybody standing around saying, why do they do this? Why do they do that? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Honey, sometimes, why are they getting down on their knees and going down to their face? Some of that doesn't have anything to do with what he's done for me today or in the past 37 years of my life. It just has everything to do with I recognize who he is. I know who he is. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He is the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. I know who he that's the purpose. It's the purpose. Someone say amen. Oh, yeah. 
And so whenever we start, we start to understand this. The truth of worship is seen where it's first mentioned in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 22. Watch, watch me here. We look at Genesis 22. Abraham's going to take Isaac up Mount Moriah, offer him up as a sacrifice, as a burnt offering, right? Unto the Lord. As a matter of fact, by all eyes that are taking in the scene of Genesis 22, maybe even us today that read the recordings of Scripture, we're thinking, what a great sacrifice that Abraham is about ready to do. But Abraham, being the participant in the story and not the spectator, looks at the two lads that came along with he and his son and says, boys, we go over yonder, look how he termed it now, to worship and we'll come to you again. The truth of worship is this. A person that's a true worshiper will see it as it is, as worship. But it's only the outsiders that seem to think it's a sacrifice. Abraham says, there's no sacrifice going on here. I'm just worshiping. No sacrifice going on here. I'm just worshiping. It's according on what side of the fence you're on. Someone say amen. So the lady, they're saying, man, this is a waste. Look what she's doing, all this expense, blah, blah, blah. But to her, she was just worshiping. She's just, she's just worshiping. And so they're starting to say among themselves, this is a waste because... Had this stuff been sold, that it would have been sold for more than 300 pennies. And so you got to understand who's taking this in. Judas and some of the scribes and Pharisees that's witnessing all of this. They're beginning to think these, these religious slash businessmen, nothing against it, but I'm asking. They're saying, if it could be sold, then that must mean it's of value. That must mean it could be a marketable item. Now watch me here. What we're dealing with right now is with a Christ that's already taken on in competition a bunch of religious leaders that are trying to make marketable items out of what should be free will items. Christ has already entered the temple. He does when he first starts, and he does before he finishes up and takes his way out of here in the scripture. That he went into the temple at two different times, and there's religious leaders in there, and they're controlling the commerce down at the temple, you know, and, and they're, they're approving what can be sowed in there, and the sheep and the birds and all the other items that are used for sacrifice. Oh, that's a marketable item. Why don't we sell some of those things? And they, they were charging people for being vendors. Amen, this history. They're charging people for being vendors. Amen, to sell their goods and their wares there at the temple. 
the money changers are set up and, and all of this money is going along and so they would collect money from the vendors and then, then they get a certain percentage about whatever was sold at the temple and what they seen at this moment was another marketable item. Genuine, pure ointment that they might be able to sell. Someone say amen. So as they're considering all these things, Christ is going to take care of some business. Someone say amen. amen. <clears throat> Trying to find all the little numbers I put together. The ointment, the Bible says, was worth about 300 pence. To put that in terms that we can understand for their day, 300 pence was the worth of a year of a common man's labor. Someone say that, that's a chunk of change. Amen. Think about what you make in a year being surrendered all at once unto the Lord. This was this ointment had the value then of what it would have been a common man's wages or common man's labor for a year. Could have been sold, but Bible says for even more than that 300 pence, the scripture says. Someone say amen. And so with that being the case, they even say that since this ointment was of such high value, this perfume was of such high value and expensive, that there's some that suggest that it may, could possibly may have even been a family heirloom that had been passed down from one generation to another generation. Someone say yes. So picture it now. Here comes this woman. She has in her hand something that equates to a man's wages for a year and even more than that. She breaks it knowing the moment she breaks it. That means its dispensing is going to have to be immediate and relatively quickly in order for the potency to be as strong as it was when it was first broken. And without just putting a dab... She pours all the contents upon him. People saying, waste, 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 because they're bystanders. But she's in the moment of doing the service. She's in the moment of rendering it all. She's in the moment of giving it unto God. And Christ is standing back over here. I don't know if she knew the true value of everything. All that she knew is I came with one purpose today. And that is to pour the contents of whatever this is. I don't know if she knew the value, but God did. And what Christ was saying, and this is really the, 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 the crux of what I want to convey to us tonight to a certain degree, is what Christ was saying over here on the backside to those other disciples was this. is boys, what she's offering in a moment to me exceeds what a man could labor for in a year. If I could say it like this tonight, a moment spent in worship is more valuable than a year's worth of labor. A moment, a moment. I'm not talking about a week. 
I'm not talking about a month, but I'm talking about one time in the presence of God where you're holding back nothing but delivering all the contents, undiluted, genuine, and pure before God. What you do in that moment of time is of greater worth than a year's worth of labor for the Lord. Someone say amen. amen. Oh. <laughs> Woo. That changes the dynamics of everything. And what it comes down to is this. It doesn't matter what others are spouting off about concerning your worship. Because you don't get your estimation from them anyhow. You get your estimation from what God has to say about it. And God on the peripheral is saying about this woman's act right now while they're saying a waste. He's saying what she's doing in this moment is of greater worth than what a man could do in a year. Do not underestimate the power of your vocal praise. Do not underestimate the power of your vocal worship or your physical worship. Don't underestimate the power of your hand that is raised or your voice that is raised or your hand that is clapped or your glory, hallelujah, amen, that you usher out. Because if you... Here's the thing now, folks. Look, 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 look. This is my, this is my subject matter. This is the, my title. The Lord says, he states, he's saying, folks, this is what she's doing in this moment. Is a greater worth than what a man could even do in a year. And he puts this little kind of footnote on it all. And he says, she hath done what she could. I am convinced she wasn't entering in with the concept, I'm taking, I'm going to take something of value that's more than a year's worth of labor for a man. No. What I believe, if it was even possibly a family heirloom, that's all she had. And so the moral of the story is this. When you do what you can, God will consider it more work When you do what you can, God will consider it more worth than a year's labor. If you, It's not up to you to make the estimation, but if you lavish everything you got, what's within your hand, what's within your life, upon the master, he says, I'll give it an estimation. What they do in that moment is greater than the worth of the wages of a man for a year. If you'll just do what you can. Look at your neighbor and tell him, do what you can. Woo! <laughs> Someone say amen. Because here, here, if we want to get real serious about a matter, there's a lot of things that Mary could not do. 
she would not be able to take his place on the cross just a few days away. She would not be able to shed blood and take care of the human race. Someone hear me right now? She wouldn't be able to stand in his stead and by her own virtue and power open a blind eye or heal a deaf ear. She wouldn't be able to do any of our deaf ear. She wouldn't be able to do any of that. There's a lot of things that she could not do. She couldn't take away the ridicule and the shame that was going to come upon his shoulders. She would not be able to fight all of Rome and the empire and the scribes and the Pharisees and their rods. She would not even be able to withhold Judas from doing his deed of betrayal. But you know what she said? I'm not going to concentrate upon what I can't do. I'm going to concentrate upon what I there's somebody in this house that needs to stop coming to the house of God concentrating what you can't do what you can't accomplish I can't sing, I can't play, I can't do this I don't care if you can't do any of that if you'll do what you can your estimation will be the same as my It doesn't matter if you can't sing like Brother Mason and play like Brother Mason. If you do like what you can and he does what you can, God will give you the same estimation in the moment that you pour it all out upon the master. Just do what you can. Woo! literal interpretation of that phrase she hath done what she could it's only found in Mark this is this even phrase is only found in Mark she hath done what she could the literal interpretation or translation of that is this what she had she did what she had she did I heard her say, I just don't know if I got it in me tonight. Well, whatever spare change you can find in you. And I'm not talking about the offering either. Whatever spare change you can find in you to do it, do what you can. I understand tonight, for some, it's been a long weekend. Maybe you've been with family. You ate more than what you should have, and you're repenting over gluttony right now. But nevertheless, you come in here and say, I'm just doing what I can. If you truly are doing that, God will give you the same estimation as when you come in there, hoop and hire, clap and do a double somersault backflip. As long as every time you give the same effort, you give the same contents. This is what I got today, God. This is what I got on Wednesday night Bible study. This is what I got for revival. He says, that's all right. If you're doing what you can, I give you the same estimation. It's worth more than a year. Work of labor. Someone say yes. Yes. I'm not lost. You would have to know how I put together sermons. Start writing it all out in a nice format, but right now stuff is just numbered, so I'm following my nice little program. Just to take the, the, the curtain off the thing. God doesn't necessarily speak from start to finish on a sermon. Sometimes here, there, here, little, there, little. And then you kind of kind of kind of squeeze it all together into some continuity. Point A, point B. And so I'm just following. Okay. You just got a view into my life whether you wanted to or not. Apologize for it. Send your sympathy card later. 
this. I've been up here already plenty of time. Look now. He says, so she did what she can. And notice there's still a little contrast here. Christ was not making this huge contrast between you need to have more consideration for me than you do before. Okay? Sometimes I think there's a misinterpretation of the scripture there. But what he was telling with them was the poor you have with you always, but me not always. In other words, what the contrast was, one is all the time. Another one is not always all the time. What he was telling them was this then. You got to seize your opportunity. You got to seize your opportunities. And so, she's done what she can. She's anointed my body. Now look at verse 9. And I am closing with Mason. I wasn't joking. Bible says. It's been a long day for everybody. The Bible says. That he speaks to them and says, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, he says, I, throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done, this with, with no restraint, with just abandon, she's brought up on me. It's going to be spoken for her as a memorial. Now listen, listen. This woman that did what she could in a moment. <laughs> Ointment itself, you got to use it immediately. Its potency may become less. But here's the miracle. If you use it now, its effect goes beyond Jesus says, and you stand with me, Jesus says, what you old boys are describing as a waste has such, just worship in a moment, has such a long shelf life. And it is so pervasive that throughout the whole world where the gospel goes and the gospel is going to go, to the whole world where it's preached this deed that she has done is going to serve as a memorial for her listen to pastor for a moment look the worship that she renders what she gave and surrendered in a moment and she was just doing what she can listen to me she did just what she could in a moment she started something right there Listen to me. She started something right there in that moment that Christ is basically saying, when Mary of Bethany is cold and dead in her grave, what she did with what she had in a moment is still going to be continuing beyond her own life. Right. 
It's not about this service, but it's about me doing what I can in this service that extends beyond my lifetime. Every time, every time, every time I come into the presence of the Lord, every time I got my flask and I'm surrendering undiluted, pure, genuine worship upon the Lord, those things are going to outlive my lifetime. In essence, folks, worship is not something temporal. Worship is eternal. Your worship will outlast you. There's a lot of frail things that will slip through your fingers as sand, but your worship will outlive you. And so the admonition for this evening is this. Do what you can. Do what you can, sir. Do what you can, ma'am. Because what you do today is still going to be doing when you're no longer there to be a part of it. I'm not being all whimsical here, but folks, there's sometimes when nobody else is in this church, nobody else is around. Please don't take me as some psychotic, but if you do, that's okay. I'm used to it. And I'm not sure if maybe I don't need diagnosed. The fact that matters is sometimes, Bishop, when nobody else is around, I'm not for sure. But if I don't feel a kindred spirit of Grandma McGee in this place. Or Junior Weisenberger come by. I know they're dead, their bodies in the grave, but I wonder sometimes if what they did when they could in a moment. was still pervading in the city and and in the area and the community and in the presence in the presence of God I'm not just talking about my brother sometimes I can sense the sweet presence of a grandma jewel of tears that would flow down she's gone for years the kind disposition of a Betty Phelps and the world is this taking place because they did what they they could they did what they could when they could I don't seem to pretend to know everything and I don't I wonder Bishop if people do what they can when they could, if they're not bolstering and helping generations to come in future worship services, 
Because perhaps in those moments, it's not just those voices that are being poured out. But it's the voice of yesteryear that has outlived their day that still congregates in this house when the presence of the Lord comes down here. I'm not trying to be spooky here today. I'm just saying I just wonder sometimes. I just wonder. Honestly, as weird as I am, I'm telling you this. There's times I've looked over my office and I've said, what do you think about that, Grandma? What is the deal? And when I close my eyes, I can feel that, that wrinkled hand on the left, that one on the right. And I hear those tongues. And I can hear those prayers. How in the because they did what they could. What they could. The estimation is this. Be greater than the labor of a man for a year. If we bow our heads all across this place tonight. My admonition to us this evening, my challenge to us this evening, is when you enter his presence, come with abandon. Come without restraint. Unleash your worship. Unleash your gratitude and your love on the Lord. Don't try to give the estimation of what you're bringing. Just bring and do the best that you can and leave the estimation to the Master. Come into His presence with thanksgiving. Enter into His courts with praise. Find every, every, every vein of strength that you have and say, this is what I can do, Lord. Don't worry about the criticizers. Don't worry about those that are giving their estimates about what you brought. You just do what you can and leave the estimation to the master. And know every time you do that, you have done something that's going to outlive you, outlast you from this moment forward. These altars are open tonight. If there's somebody in the close of this Resurrection Sunday that says... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.